This is Reaching the Finish Line. And I'm your host, Callan Dix. Check out the website, www.reachingthefinishline.com. And pick up my free report. Save up to 75% what they don't want you to know. ReachingTheFinishLine.com Welcome, and today I am delighted to have Gisela Hausman. Gisela is the award-winning author. Uh, She's written multiple books, Naked Determination, Naked Truth About Getting Book Reviews, as well as Naked Words 2.0, the effective 157-word email. Uh, She has been uh, featured in Success Magazine as well as endorsed uh, by the magazine. Uh, She has won multiple awards, and I'm happy to have her today. Gisela, welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. One thing that really piqued my interest is your book, Naked Naked Words 2.0, The Effective 157-Word Email. I think the thing that really reaches out to me is, 157 word email and for most people most people know that that's a pretty short and concise email but that's something you seem to advocate because you feel like that has the most return on investment now let's talk about that let's talk about the psychology of of an email what has been your experience and how have you found success in that 157 word email well that's a very good question 157 words is of course a fictitious number. The email could also be 156 or 161 words. The reason why I picked 157 is 157 is a prime number. That means that number can only be divided by itself or by one. And that is really what makes an effective email. It's a one of its kind. It is not pieced together like three times two equals six It is a one of its kind. That being said, an effective email should be about a screenful. Mm -hmm. If you have to force the reader to scroll, you lost it. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, very often you can't really say everything that you want to say in about 150 words, Mm -hmm. but you want to build a relationship. If you get your foot to the door with a pleasant 150 words email or 157 word email, you have your foot to the door and the recipient will know your name and will wait for more emails. Because if you did the opposite, you wrote a long email, he's like, oh my God, there this person comes again. Oh, I don't have time. Delete. If, on the other hand, you write an email that is too short and you don't really say what you want, what you need, you're creating the impression that the recipient has to work too hard to Mm. find out what you want or what he's supposed to do or what's Mm. going on. So about a screenful is just the right size to say, I'm here. I have something to say. I have something to offer. I can fill that screenful with interesting stuff. But I'm not going to make you work, and I'm not going to overwork you. Right. I, I like how you put that, uh, Gisela. Now, uh, at what point did you arrive 
to this? Because uh, I mean, did, wait, were, I mean, were you did, did you already know this, or were you like everyone else, just kind of writing long emails, trying to be as specific as possible, trying to hope to gauge uh, their interest? Uh, what was your initial tactic when it came to uh, writing emails? <laughs> that is a brilliant question. Uh, like I was always a good letter writer, but however, it was literally fighting for my life that got me to this knowledge. Um, Surely you remember the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. I used to work at the onset of the Great Recession for a construction company, and sadly, the construction company took a hit and went out of business like so many others did. Mm. Uh, I've always been a single mom for many years, so I had to keep a job. I had to get one, and I had to keep one mm-hmm. because, of course, people got laid off by the hundred thousands, right? Yeah, so it, it was really easy. Mm-hmm. So I hired in the transportation industry where I had a little bit of experience, but of course it was a far shot from construction and I wasn't the best there. As a matter of fact, I was the weakest link because everybody who worked in this company had been working there for years. I was the newbie, the greenhorn, like mm-hmm. a college student and I had to keep the job. So in order to make up for my shortcomings, I wrote the most beautiful emails. The reason for that is the older dash goes, if you're in a squeeze, working your strongest suit. Now, my strongest suit wasn't going to be transportation, but it was going to be communication. So I excelled in communication. Lo and behold, a year later, the uh, president of the company goes overseas to visit the clients. And what do I tell her? Gisela is the greatest. Oh my God, that woman cares about us. She cares about us. Turns out, while I was worried that they may be upset with me that things took a little longer, what have you, they didn't even care about that. What they cared about was that I cared about them and their shipments. So the president of the company was a powerful person, and she was also very decisive. She sent an email and said, Gisela is immediately promoted. Everybody is supposed to have this standard. So can you believe it that literally in this squeeze, I went from, will I be able to keep the job to getting promoted with the corner office and the nice pay raise? Mm. All of this was based on email. And it was then when I honed down on the subject and said, oh my God, if email is such a powerful tool, what else can you do with it? You have a way with words. Uh, For people who don't know, uh, you know, Gisela has been a bronze medal award winner from Elite Awards. Uh, she's uh, she's been a gold medalist for Reader's Favorites Awards. Uh, she was a Kindle Book Award finalist. So you definitely have a way with words that uh, it's no surprise why you had that success also um, at that corporation. And I guess that's what led you to write the book uh, Naked Words uh, 2.0. So I'm quite sure a lot of uh, of the listeners. They're excited because they're like, wow, finally, because a lot of what they tend to do is they tend to send a bunch of emails to whether it's uh, editors, whether it's uh, media outlets, whether it's influence. And, and, and basically they try to use you know these t- different ways to be able to build their brand. But most of them, they have no success. You know, often what happens is um, when, when editors or, or when uh, or when influencers see emails like that, often they get deleted, unfortunately, because they're too long or they're too short. And typically an editor or influencer or whoever, they're not going to email you back for clarification because they're too busy. So what 
what would be the primer, uh, Gisela? What would you suggest? What, what would be like, let's go with, let's go, what would be some like three tips that you can give for uh, aspiring and struggling entrepreneurs or even employees? Because sometimes when people, let's say they may want to apply for a better position, they want to, let's say they're tired of their corporate the entire of their job and they, they see another opportunity. Well, often now, most applications are on the internet now. So if you want to apply for a job, you have to apply with an online application and typically a cover letter that you send via email. And that can also be just as powerful if people know how to craft a perfect email. So whether you're an employee, whether you're an entrepreneur, uh, this advice here can still apply. What will be three tips? Uh, Gisela, that you would give uh, the listeners to be able to captivate the reader of the email? The very first item to understand is that the most powerful feature about any email is your name. If at this, if at this, if right now you opened your email account and it said, uh, Tim Cook wants to talk to you, and there's also an email from your mother and from 300 other people. Who's are you opening first? Tim Cook, because he's the CEO of the most valuable company in the United States. Mm -hmm. Not even your mother comes close, mm -hmm. probably. But you build your name. So your emails are actually the way how you build your name for the future, which is why you're not supposed to shoot for everything right now mm -hmm. in the first email, but mm -hmm. build your name. Mm -hmm. The second most important item is your subject line. People sometimes act from, they want to portray their own case based in the subject line. But that's not what's happening because the recipient sees hundreds of emails and he's only looking for the subject line that stands out. Now, if the subject line says, Steve Cook wants to talk to you, you open it. What about if you don't have anything like that? Mm. You pick a number. Any number will make your subject line look more attractive. Mm. And the reason for that is psychological. Our entire lives, we're trained to live with the number. We look at the weather report. What's the temperature going to be tomorrow? Somebody is calling us from the next office, meeting in 10 minutes. Uh, even in school, we aim for a grade point average. So from the moment on, when we enter a professional life or a school life, we learn to watch the number. Consequently, Everybody does that, and the person who receives an email that says a number opens that one first. Mm. Now, what could the number be? It could be um, an order number um, and, um, uh, or a purchase order number, mm. or it could be an offer number. Let's say you're writing some uh, business prospect, we'll deliver 50% faster. Mm. Immediately, you got his attention. He doesn't know what it is about, but 50%, oh my God. Mm. Uh, we opened this email. Mm -hmm. The next thing that you have to uh, keep in mind is stay true to your brand. Mm -hmm. You have only two options to compete with others. It's by cheaper price or by better brand. Mm -hmm. Since nobody wants to do anything cheaper, build your brand. Represent yourself perfectly. And that's how you get there. Lastly, stick to your system of never going to say more than the other person wants to read. What about if you have to say more? Take advantage of all the options that you have. Shoot a video and attach it. 
prepare a beautiful PDF sheet attached. Today, you can even hire people who draw these little cartoon commercials that basically transpire every message that you want. You can hire these people online, but stick to, I'm only going to say 150 words and everything else is attached or not. And you will create that brand. Caldix is that cool reporter that is on time, just sends me what I need. He's precisely on target. He's not making me work to find out what he wants. And he's also not overwhelming me with stuff that I don't even need. And that's how you climb to the rank. Because the sad truth is more than 90% of people don't do that. I just want to take a moment to tell you about DreamHost. DreamHost.com is the award-winning web hosting service rated by PC Magazine. With their current rates and positive reviews, I couldn't think of a better company to recommend. You can get $10 off a one-year hosting plan or $25 off a two-year hosting plan when you use the promo code Callen, K-A-L-L-E-N. DreamHost.com. PC's Magazine, best web hosting service. And that's really the cool thing about email. All of us are in charge of our own inbox. So when we see an email that we don't like, even if it's our bosses, we automatically try to find an email which may need our attention from a cool person. Mm -hmm. And when the boss then says, well, why have you not done this? You're like, I'm busy with this request from so-and-so. Had to do this right now. So in other words, we're looking for the excuse of the cool email. Absolutely everybody does that. And if we're really honest, we can admit that we do. So that's your chance. Write that concise email with the cool attachment or not. And you're going to be that person everybody who, who, whose correspondence everybody wants to read. Right, right. And I like the way you put that, Gisela. Uh, I think another a question that probably that stands in the mind of a lot of uh, listeners is they may say, okay, well, all right, I got it. They say the name, the subject line, uh, as far as staying true to my brand. Okay, I get that. But what if I send them my email and after two weeks or after a week, I don't hear back from them. What would you suggest as far as the frequency of follow-up emails? Because I feel like some, maybe some employees, maybe some entrepreneurs, they don't want to come across as uh, bothersome or come across as annoying. What, what, what would be the frequency that you would recommend for people to follow up? Well, for starters, never email anything on a Monday or on a Friday. On Friday, people are mentally out of the door. And on Monday, everything piles up, which they left over on Friday. So that's the wrong day to bring something new. Other than that, I wouldn't even wait two weeks. I would just wait one week and then follow up with a brief, just a brief line. Did you notice my email from last week? If you have any questions, I'll be happy to answer them. As soon as you send something that sounds almost like inner company communication, People will think, oh, did I see this? Did I overlook this? And they will try to find the fault by themselves now rushing to your email. Mm -hmm. Lastly, always keep in mind, people are busy. Mm -hmm. If somebody doesn't react, maybe his mother died. Mm -hmm. Or maybe uh, the biggest project of his lifetime was dropped on him and he has to attend that right now. Mm -hmm. You can't take it personally. 
today we are a society where we offer information and people take from us what they want. Mm -hmm. They don't owe us any explanation if they don't want anything. Right. Uh, it is a much better idea to look for ways how we can make ourselves the most interesting partner. I think if listeners keep in mind the following thought, more than 90% of people send boring, drawn out, uninteresting emails that focus only on what they want. They will find the confidence in themselves to say, I can tell somebody else how I can help him. Mm -hmm. And just by offering somebody else how you can help this person, this person will be more interested in working with you than with the 90% of people who just blabber around or something. I always keep saying is, don't ever use I, I want, or I need, or I. If you say I, the other person has, the recipient has to think, I want something too. And mm. even the president wants things something, and Congress just doesn't care what the president wants. Mm -hmm. And that's the most powerful person. So by um, focusing on what can I offer the recipient, that makes my email more likable than 90% of other emails that are in this recipient's inbox. You're halfway there. There's just no way how your email can get rejected. You, you said Monday and Friday, and I think that's very interesting. I mean, obviously, you probably don't want to sit on the weekends because most, most people are at home or they're not at work. So um, I think that definitely... Uh, the money and the money the Monday and Friday as far as the days to avoid sending emails, I think that definitely applies in certain industries, uh, certain uh, depending on kind of where you're at. Uh, personally, if you send me an email on Monday, I'll probably reply. But uh, Fridays, I agree. Most people are going home, so they typically don't. Uh, they're typically probably not going to get back to it until Monday, and then by that time. Uh, that email is buried because you have people send emails on Saturday and Sunday. So uh, I, 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 there's there's definitely a lot of merit to what you said in that. And I, I like the way you put that. Yes, I wanted to say uh, most people, when they start out writing an email to somebody else, they think it is about the product. Mm -hmm. Or they think, and that's unfortunately the majority, it's about their needs. Mm -hmm. The reality is it's only about the recipient and the customer's needs. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody decides what he purchases, why he purchases, and people who want to purchase from somebody specifically, they will find a reason why they have to do that and not buy from the competition. Right. So when you so when you were saying uh, regarding about kind of refrain from using the word I, I think that's very important because you don't want to sound self-centered. You don't want to sound selfish. Um, so uh, so so you're suggesting that perhaps using something like we, you know, perhaps that that way it can include the person or perhaps or maybe just using you. So that way the person feels like you're offering value. What would you particularly suggest? In, in, my, in my book, I'm even illustrating an example, and you may have seen it. First, you write a first draft of the email. Then you take the highlighter, and you highlight every time you wrote I, my, and me. Then you look at the, 
uh, usually you can, if you highlight it, you can see the one glance, but you can also count the numbers of IMIs and MEs in every email divided by the word number and figure out the percentage. Mm -hmm. Any email that has more than 5% of words IMI and ME is to be discarded mm -hmm. because it will not work. It is just not good. Focus on the product. If I am talking to you, I'm not telling you that I want to be featured in your presentation. I'm telling you what I can offer for your listeners mm -hmm. because that's the only thing that's interesting to you. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. if somebody sells lawnmowers or what have you, he doesn't have to tell how old the company is or whatever. He has to tell how much more value this lawnmower is going to bring to the well-being of the buyer mm -hmm. because that's all the buyer is interested in. So, focusing on the other person's needs does the trick. Now, you write your first draft, you look at all the I's, and then you say, how can I rephrase this I into a you? Like, I'm offering you the fastest lawnmower in the industry. It gets to be rephrased in, you will be happy to find out that our lawnmower is the fastest mowing in the industry. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, the guys, yeah, I always wanted to know that. Or you can start with a question. Do you spend too much time mowing lawns? Our lawnmower is the fastest mowing. Now you throw in your number, 50% faster, 38% faster. Mm. Focus on that number. What is it going to do for the recipient? Great. And that's why the recipient cares, because the recipient cares only about what's in for me. Everything else is not important. I agree. Uh, it has to be a mutual exchange. And I feel like a lot of people, they still forget that very important thing. And uh, anytime you come off as self-centered or, you know, selfish or all about me, you know, people are often going to discourage you. So I like the way you, you sum that up and you put that so succinctly. I also wanted to add something else, which may be interesting uh, for your listeners, because I see so much focus on it just late the other day. Facebook broke down and uh, there were all kinds there was all kinds of data saying how much ad revenue Facebook loses when it's done. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people think that maybe advertising or marketing on social media sites may be more effective than email because quote email is old or old fashioned or what have you. Mm -hmm. Not so true. In 2014, McKinsey and Company made a study and they looked at it and they found out that email is about 40 times as effective as Facebook and Twitter combined. Mm. Firstly, 91% of all Americans don't, uh, have email. There's still nine who don't. 71% of online Americans use Facebook, and only 23 use Twitter, and 28 use LinkedIn, which means if you are... Marketing on Twitter or LinkedIn, you're basically talking to a quarter of the population you could read. If you're on Facebook, maybe that person who you want to reach is more interested in what their friends say and doesn't look at your ad. So that is a very ineffective way to go. Now compare that with writing a direct email. The reader is opening his email. He sees the email. He decides based on the subject line whether he wants to open that email or not. And as soon as he does, you've got this person's undivided attention. There is no friends beeping on Facebook. There is no distraction. There is no content rolling. 
you have the undivided attention. And that is why email is still 40 times as effective as social media. And that's why people should care. Definitely. I definitely agree with that because it's so targeted as opposed to it's just you're putting a post and it's thrown out there in the interwebs and uh, especially with the algorithms, whether it comes with whether it's Facebook or whether it's any other social media, uh, some people may never actually get to read your post. So, uh, you know, it's nothing. Is, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you about uh, how paramount uh, email marketing is. Uh, Gisela, if people want to follow you or get in contact with you, how would they be able to do that? Um, I have a website, of course, um, with my name, Gisela, G-I-S-E-L-A, Hausman, H-A-U-S-M-A-N-N, where I have links to my blog, which right now blogs about the presidential candidates' campaign emails. The subject is uh, sometimes um, unwillingly funny. <laughs> they they make mistakes too, and mm-hmm. I do not hesitate to point them out, even though the blog is unbiased. You can mm-hmm. also find my books there and a lot of other valuable information. That's one way to go. Great. You all definitely check out uh, Naked Words, the effective 157-word email. I think that will be a great resource. Uh, Gisela, thank you for being our guest. Thank you very much, Kel. Thank you for listening. Just another great episode by Callan Diggs, best-selling author and career strategist at Seen at Fast Company and Inc. Magazine. If you're not on an email list, you're missing out. Go to reachingthefinishline.com and subscribe to get all the exclusives.